This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 205. Today, our special guest is Dr. Renee Thompson, an expert on bullying and incivility in healthcare. Stay tuned to hear Renee's advice for healthcare leaders. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Well, hello, everybody. It's Tracy and Michelle. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Yes, listen, listeners, listeners. I was going to say welcome, listeners. <laughs> listeners, welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, listeners and watchers, if you're watching on our YouTube channel. So welcome back to another episode. And we just got off with another great interview. Yeah, what a what a lovely person Renee was, and uh, just very um, very enlightening. Like I think, just a lot of clarity today on the topic of bullying and incivility and the behaviors in healthcare. And she certainly is an expert, so it was just really a very um, informative conversation. I thought. Yeah, I, I thought it was too, and you know, it wasn't anything new or anything we don't know about. But it's really good to know there's people like Renee out there that are actually doing something about it, right? It's it's one of those things that we can talk about it all day long, but until you start taking action, it's never going to go away. It'll always be the same thing, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think she helped really bring some clarity to some of the terms that we hear yeah. <laughs> all the time. And we know these things exist, but to really get that clarity, I think, and the delineation between some of these behaviors, what they are and what they're not, I think that was really helpful. Yeah, it was. It was. So we look forward to you hearing our interview with Dr. Renee Thompson. So let me introduce her. Uh, Renee is a sought after speaker, author, consultant, and leading authority on creating healthy workforces by eliminating bullying and incivility. With more than 30 years as a clinical nurse, nurse educator, quality manager, and nurse executive, Dr. Thompson is a leading authority on workplace bullying and incivility and spends the majority of her time working with healthcare leaders who want to cultivate a healthy workforce. She is the CEO and founder of the Healthy Workforce Institute and has been repeatedly published, interviewed, and awarded for her work to eradicate disruptive behaviors in healthcare. In 2020, Renee was invited by the Joint Commission to become a member of their Workforce 
Violence Technical Advisory Panel and has been published in numerous nursing journals and is a frequent invited guest on radio, podcasts, as she was today, webinars, and online social media platforms. Renee has a master's degree in nursing education and a doctorate of nursing practice from the University of Pittsburgh. So without further ado, here's our interview with Renee Thompson. Welcome, everybody, to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're super excited to be here with Renee Thompson today. Woo! Welcome, Renee. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, too, talking about my favorite topic. Oh, yes. It is your favorite topic, and we know that you have been very focused on this topic and and have done really significant work in the field when it comes to addressing bullying in healthcare. And so can you please tell our listeners what made you zero in on bullying and challenging the healthcare industry to have a zero tolerance on it? Sure. Um, Well, I've been a nurse for now, gosh, it's been about 31 years. And I always say that I've pretty much done everything you can do as a nurse. From bedside, I worked um, in home care. I worked for a managed care company. Don't judge me for that. I actually learned a lot about the delivery of health care when I worked for a managed care company. But I've been a frontline manager. I've been an educator. I was even in a corporate position, really responsible for professional development of about 10,000 nurses across the health system. And it was when I was in that corporate role and I, I talking to a lot of nurses, I realized it didn't matter where I worked, you know, what organization I worked for or what role I had. I swear there was always another group of usually at the time nurses who made it their mission to make my life difficult. And I just thought, you know, working in healthcare is hard enough, right? Without yes. worrying about your coworkers making it harder. And we've been talking about bullying and incivility, especially in the nursing profession, for decades and decades, but yet it's still there. And what are we doing about it? And honestly, I, in a moment, I said, enough is enough. I'm going to do something about it. So I quit a really great job that I love to start my own company with the intent to really eradicate bad behavior in healthcare. And that was 11 years ago. And that's what exactly what I do is eradicate bad behavior in healthcare. Wow. That's a great story. And it's really driven from a personal experience and wanting to Mm -hmm. do something about it, which is so important, Renee. Uh, Can you tell our listeners, you know, what is bullying and what Mm -hmm. is not bullying? Like, how do you define it? Thank you for asking. (laughs) This is is something every time I'm doing any type of, you know, workshop, uh, even a keynote, or working, I do a lot of consulting. It's one of those things that I make sure we get crystal clear on what bullying is and what it's not. We tend to call any bad behavior that we don't like or anything, let's just say not even bad behavior. A lot of times I'll see nurses will claim that their their boss is bullying them because they didn't get the schedule that they wanted, okay? And we have to make sure that we understand what true bullying is because... It matters how you treat it. It matters what you do about it. And that's why you need to get clear. So if we look at bullying, because there's bullying, like how do you know if your coworker's a bully or maybe they're just a jerk or a drama queen or <laughs> having a bad day or, you know, what is it? 
the definition of bullying for a behavior to be considered bullying, um, it has there has to be like a repeated pattern of disruptive behaviors with the intentional, oh, I know I'm doing this to you, or unintentional, I don't even realize I'm doing it, but there needs to be an intent to do harm. So when we look at the term, there's actually no legal definition for bullying in this country. We have a legal definition for harassment, discrimination, but not for bullying. But when somebody reaches out and they say, I'm, you know, I'm being bullied, I look for three things. And if you're listening right now, and if you can, write this down. There, there has to be a target. So let's say, Tracy, there's something about you I don't like. And you and I are, you know, nurses together in a department. And anytime I'm in charge, I give you the worst assignments. I'm okay with everyone else. I will find reasons to try to get you into trouble. Like I'll find fault, I'll nitpick, but I'm fine with everyone else. So there has to be a target. It could be one person or maybe a small group of people. We see this a lot with new nurses. Everybody, you know, there are some people who will target the new nurses. The behavior has to be harmful. So Tracy, if I roll my eyes at you, is that harmful to you? I mean, eye rolling by itself, is that harmful? And the answer is no. I mean, it's not nice, but it's not harmful. But if every time you see that you have to work with me, I have a visceral reaction and I can't function for the next you know, hour or I call off because I am so stressed that I can't even imagine coming into work with you. Or let's say I withhold information from you and I set you up for failure. Who's the harm to then? It's to patients. So we're looking for harm. And then it can't be one time I get tested with you and I'm having a bad day. We, we're looking for a repeated pattern of behavior. So Michelle, you asked the question, what is bullying? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. bullying. It has to be repeated. There yeah. has to be a target. The behavior has to be harmful. And now what I find most often though in healthcare is actually not a lot of bullying. I mean, it's there, but when I go into an organization and I always say, you know, I pull back the covers and I lift up the gown, you know, to see what's happening underneath. There's not a lot of bullying, but there's an awful lot of incivility. And those are those low level, inconsiderate, rude, disrespectful. It's the gossip, the eye rolling, the mocking, the, you know, I'm nice to the people I like and the people I don't like, you know, I don't help them. And and so what we find is far more incivility in healthcare than bullying. But again, they're treated differently. And so I think it's important, especially for any of you who are dealing with this, to first get crystal clear on if this mm -hmm. is a bullying situation or something else. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so helpful. It is. It's just really, it really um, makes it more concrete. Um, and, and clear. So thank you so much for that. And I'm sure our listeners are grateful to have that, that delineation yes. as well. Um, now you talk about these kind of disruptive behaviors, including bullying and incivility and how they continue to plague the healthcare system. And we know there's been like 25 years of research yes. on this. So, so why are we still here? <laughs> what are the reasons why we can't dissipate this behavior when it's been studied and we're really clear in what it is? What's the roadblock to that? Why are we still stuck? Here? Yeah, there, there are a few reasons for that. And, you know, some of you listening right now might not be surprised or surprised 
that we see more disruptive behaviors in healthcare than in any other industry. And when you ask people, why do you think that is? Number one answer that I always get is, well, we're stressed. And absolutely, um, that is the number one reason why we see more bad behavior. There are some other reasons. Um, however, when you know people are burned out and stressed mm-hmm. out, they lash out. And who do they lash out to? They lash out to the people standing next to them, generally speaking. But okay, you're right, Tracy. We've studied this. We have so many research studies on what it looks like and how it shows up and why this is a problem and the impact. But okay, why is it still happening? Well, first of all, we've normalized deviant behaviors for so long, we don't even notice them. Even though we talk about it, people have just gotten to a place where they are justifying someone's bad behavior. A lot of times it's because of how clinically competent they are. She's a great nurse, but just don't get on her bad side. How much revenue they bring into the organization. Think about your providers, you know, your physicians. (laughs) And a lot of people will even warn others saying, oh, FYI, don't let anything she says bother you or don't take it personally. That's just her personality. <laughs> and I say, all right, if your personality affects whether or not someone is willing or comfortable communicating with you, well, then it stops the flow of information. And when we stop the flow of information, that affects someone's mom, someone's you know dad, child, partner, spouse. And so... We have gotten so used to ignoring someone's behavior because of fill in the blank, doing workarounds, that we almost have gotten to the point where we don't even notice them. So that's a big reason is that we just normalize it. We don't notice it. And then a lot of people, when they notice it, they're afraid to speak up for fear of retaliation. And you can have the most beautifully written anti-retaliation policy in your organization? Well, let me tell you, if somebody wants to retaliate against you, oh, they will find a way. And so people are just afraid, you know, or they don't want to get someone in trouble, especially if someone who has kids at home or, you know, there's all these stories that we just want their behavior to stop, but we don't want to get them in trouble because we're the caring profession. And even when we're being tortured by someone, there's still that element of, but I don't want to get them in trouble kind of a thing until it gets so bad that it's either me or you. Okay. Yeah. Those are just some of the reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed any patterns in some of the other health professions? I mean, is this prevalent across all health professions or have you noticed anything there? Let me just say a big yes. It is physicians. <laughs> it is techs. Oh my gosh. So I started doing a lot of work. My two most popular service lines that were asked to come in and do work, uh, women's and infant services. So your labor and delivery, postpartum, NICU, mm-hmm, maternity, and then surgical services. And when I really started spending a lot of time, because I'm not an OR nurse, I was an old cardiac and neuro nurse. In surgical services, it's not always the nurses or even the surgeons, it's the techs. So we Mm -hmm. see, even I've done a lot of work in endoscopy clinics, it's the techs or in ambulatory care centers, it's the medical assistants. 
So there's no human, no role immune to this. And that's why when I first started this business, I really focused on nurse to nurse. And then as I got into it, I realized it's not just the nurses, it's the entire healthcare team. And so all of the work that we do, all of our strategies, the consulting, and, and when I do workshops, we invite the team. It's, yeah. it's all of them. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I've lived, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that it does. It goes across all different professions, you know, but, I'll, but it is, it is very well known in nursing. So being a nurse myself, mm-hmm. I grew up hearing that phrase, you know, nurses eat their young and, um, and I have to say personally, Renee, I've been very blessed. I haven't had a lot of experience that both Tracy and I grew up being part of working and developing a healthy work culture in the organization that we worked in. But getting ready for your interview, I was like, hmm, do I have any do I have any stories that I could relate to this? And I mm-hmm. do remember this one time when I was leaving medical critical care to go to surgical critical care as an educator and um, one of the nurses got pulled to our unit. And when she was leaving, um, she just made a comment to me, well, we'll see you in surgical critical care. We're going to eat you up and chew you out. (laughs) I was just like, what? She said that with her outside voice. Yeah. (laughs) She should have said that with her inside voice. I know. I know. And I just, I was so taken aback by that. And, and it didn't happen. And I think it was kind of uh, like what you were saying earlier was kind of, you know, it was, it was her, I didn't take it personally. It was really coming from her. And they did as a unit though, have a reputation of kind of like, you know, being the badass nurses. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I was accepted and, and everything ended up being fine. But it really made me think about the different cultures. And we all know we've all been reallocated and pulled to different units. And you know you can feel when you walk in a different unit that the culture is different. So can you just speak to your experience on the differences from cult, from unit to unit, um, even mm-hmm. though you're all under one roof, what your experience has been with that? Yes. Um, and first, I'm, I'm sorry you had that experience. Uh, and unfortunately, <laughs> it, it's not all that uncommon. And I hear a lot of stories like that. And even when I hear them, I think, oh my, like what would make somebody think it's okay to say something like that, especially to, you know, a new nurse or somebody gets pulled to your department. And it's just, you know, when you can step outside of it, you can look at it and say, that is so ridiculous. It's almost comical that somebody would say that. Um, However, here's what I find. Um, There is bullying and incivility a lot of it is incivility um, within our profession, as you know, and it's not just the older, you know, experienced nurses to the newer nurses. It is, I'm an ICU nurse and you're just a med surge nurse. Or I work in the ED and, you know, your ICU or your this other department. I'm the OR nurse and your PACU or pre-op. <laughs> It's as though some people think you need to be smarter to be an ICU nurse or an ED nurse or fill in the blank, work in acute care versus ambulatory care. And I always say, like, I I, I was a step-down unit nurse. I was right in the middle. You put me in an ICU with a vent, and I would freak out. Okay, they scare me. They always did. 
<laughs> if you're an ICU nurse, you like your patients on vents because you know they're breathing, okay? But still, there was just something about them I didn't like. Likewise, you put me on a med surge unit, they have six, seven patients. I don't know how they do it. I'm the same human being. I have the same capacity, same intellect. It's just a different skill set. And when we use that to then have this, like we have this perceived power over someone else, this is where I think a lot of the issues show up instead of realizing that many times we're caring for the same patient from the ICU to the step down to the med surge department. You know, yeah. we should be obviously more collaborative, but I, I, I really did a deep dive in this issue. And just to summarize it, to be an ICU nurse or work in the OR, I don't know, the emergency department, there are a lot of departments like that. You have to be pretty confident in your skills, okay? You have to be able to act very quickly, very confident. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I see a lot of people, not just nurses, crossing that line into arrogance. And it shows up in how we communicate with others in that condescending manner, which destroys relationships. And, you know, everything in healthcare is about the way we communicate with each other and the relationships that we build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is really true. That's uh, one of the reasons. Well, we work with healthcare organizations around meet, uh, polarity intelligence, and mm-hmm. you know, two critical components are meaningful dialogue and healthy relationships. Because you can't have a healthy work culture without two of those. So that's really, it's really so important. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's critical. Yeah, yep. critical. And you tend not to be yet to be that way with people you're in meaningful relationship with, right? right? <laughs> right. And, and you know this. Um, part of what a leader's responsibility is is to find opportunities for their team to get to know each other beyond their clinical skills. Because if I understand you, yes, it's harder for me to be mean to you if I know your story. Like mm-hmm. if I know what's happening yeah. when you go home and that you know, you have this child who's done this, or you're taking care of a mom or whatever it is, or even just to know a little bit about your upbringing. It's harder for people to be mean to each other if they've built some type of relationship beyond their, you know, clinical work that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond the transactions. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Renee, what are accreditation organizations doing um, to address bullying and disruptive behaviors in healthcare? Well, there are many. I think almost every association has some type of position statement. Um, I know AORN has one, AONL. There are toolkits, uh, especially right now, there's some newer workplace violence toolkits. And when you take a look at workplace violence, it's actually an umbrella term for physical violence, bullying, incivility, all of those things. And um, the Joint Commission, you know, obviously is also very involved in this. I'm actually on their task force for workplace violence. I've been on that task force for the last couple of years, and we have a compendium of resources. Our company, the Healthy Workforce Institute, is one of them. because And they invited me to that because they wanted to make sure that we weren't just tackling physical violence that this is, violence shows up in many different ways. 
And now, um, actually tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time, and I'm on the East Coast, I have my first um, session with an, uh, the Joint Commission's International Task Force to look at bullying across the globe because it mm, doesn't wow. just happen yeah. in the United States. Okay, it happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they are doing something about it. And I know the Joint Commission, they've had some Sentinel alerts that have gone out and they require that organizations have a process in place to address any formal complaints of disruptive behaviors that undermine a culture of safety. However, you and I both know just because you have a policy or a process about it doesn't mean it's happening. And that's where I think there is a missing piece here. There's some missing logic here where (laughs) you have a policy. You may even have executives who tell their leaders, you need to address this. You need to do something about this. Hold your people accountable for their behavior. But then they don't tell them how to do that. Uh, And all of the work that I've done over the last 11 years, I have not found one organization yet that does a good job equipping their leaders with the skills and tools that they need to address disruptive behaviors. And so they do what's comfortable. They do nothing. So you can have all the accreditation, you can have all the policies, but if you're not teaching your leaders actually, like, how do I address this? What do I do? Then it doesn't, that almost doesn't matter if you have it. Yeah. There's that missing piece. Yeah. 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 Well, as you know, Renee, our our listeners are primarily healthcare leaders, and so mm-hmm. in, clo- in closing, what is one piece of advice that you can give them to you know to do when confronting unacceptable behavior? Like, what's that one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, can I give you three? They all they all go together. Sure, okay? sure. Give us okay. three. See, I'm asking permission. <laughs> I I, sh- I could have just said it and then begged for forgiveness. Um, This is so we teach confronting techniques. um, But a lot of times, what I find from leaders is they don't know who to confront, how to confront, and when to confront. So I'm going to give the listeners um, this advice. If you're the leader in a department, who is any of your employees, anyone who directly reports to you, if they behave badly, you need to step in, you need to confront them. Okay? If you have an employee in your department who doesn't report to you, they report to someone else. You need to address their behavior too. Uh, People always say there's no point in um, confronting physicians because nothing ever gets done about it. I've heard so many managers say that some physicians are really rude to their employees, especially during rounding. And they say, well, what's the point in saying anything? Because nothing ever gets done. I don't care. I mean, I care, but in this situation, it doesn't matter if nothing's going to get done about it. They need to see that you're advocating on their behalf. Time out, Dr. Rossi. You're yelling at Sarah. You're criticizing her in front of everyone. You need to stop. So it's anyone who reports to you and anyone who doesn't report to you. If you witness it, and we're just going to start with witnessing it, you know, overt behavior, we won't tackle the passive aggressive stuff. Okay. That's a whole other, that's a whole other episode, (laughs) but it's anyone who reports you and anyone who doesn't. So that's everyone. If you witness it, the how is, and I'm going to just give my easiest confronting technique. It's just name the behavior. 
And if somebody's acting out, I like to do a visual and a verbal cue. So you might want to show a timeout symbol, like timeout. You might even want to say timeout. You're yelling at, and if you can say the person's name, say the person's name. It makes them a real person. Mm -hmm. You're yelling at Vicky in front of everyone and then tell them, and you need to stop. Okay. So timeout. You can even say their name, Brenda. You're yelling at Sam. You are criticizing him in front of everyone. You know, whatever it is, just identify the behavior, name it. You just dropped the F-bomb. I just saw you roll your eyes at me. Okay, whatever the behavior is, just name it. And then the when. <clears throat> if it's overt and it's right there and you see it, you have to intervene immediately. This happens all the time where you're in a staff meeting. One of your nurses is rude to the speaker or rude to a PCT or rude to fill in the blank. And you're like, ooh, that wasn't good. But if I say anything now, I'll embarrass her. So you know what? I'm going to go and talk to her after. Well, guess what? The rest of your staff, they're not mind readers. They don't know you're going to go and talk to her. And if you don't say anything in the moment, you basically said it's okay to treat somebody that way. So you have to do my visual and verbal cue. Time out. You're being rude to our guests. You need to stop. You're not going to counsel them in front of everyone. You're just stopping the behavior. And then you go and talk to them after. So if it's over, when is immediately when they're acting out, and then you talk to them after. If it's covert or something that you've noticed as a pattern, that's when you're going to want to schedule time and say, I want to talk to you about something. I've noticed that. And then you explain what you've seen and what you've noticed, and you have a conversation. So that's my who, the how, and the when. Oh, that's great. Thanks. So those are helpful tips. So. I'm sure our listeners, right. after they hear that, then it'll be top of mind the next time something happens. <laughs> oh, people be doing a timeout everywhere. Timeout, timeout, timeout. Time 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 <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will get done. <laughs> it's not quite that it'll bad. It'll be a I'm new sure, dance but... move. Timeout, timeout, timeout. Stop. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. We're going to be a craze. We're going to go viral. Wow. How fun is that? <laughs> oh, well, it's just been really great. Um, just hearing your expertise and learning more about this topic is so important and it's such a critical yeah. um, element of a healthy workforce and a healthy work culture, right, to eliminate this. And so we spent quite a bit of time talking about that. Now, mm. Renee, it's time for the missing questions. Uh-oh. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, no timeouts allowed. <laughs> no timeouts allowed. Hey, and you must answer. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we learned a lot, right? But now we want to learn a little bit more about you. Like our listeners always kind of learn a little bit about our guests on the personal side. Nothing too personal, okay. but... Just a little something to get to know you. So we have three questions we're going to ask you, and I'm going to ask the first two, and then Michelle's going to ask the last one. And they're fun. There's nothing to okay. worry about. All right. So here we go. First one. You and a girlfriend are going away for a weekend getaway. Okay. Where would you go and why? Oh, my gosh. So we would go somewhere to like a tropical island. 
that doesn't have good cell phone service. <laughs> so nobody <laughs> can bother me. <laughs> and it would be somewhere on a beach. Cause, and that's why I actually moved to Tampa because I, I lived in Pittsburgh my whole life, but we moved here cause I love the ocean. I love the beach and I would have, I would be day drinking. I'm just saying that's what we would do. <laughs> okay. Well, you are, we're kindred spirits. <laughs> Tropical Island, no self-service, beach, day drinking. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. All right. Now, after that day drinking, what, fa- what favorite coffee would you be drinking? Okay. I'm a professional coffee drinker. I've been drinking black coffee since I was three years old. It's an Italian thing. I love nothing better than a a strong cup of black coffee. I only drink it black. And there's actually a roaster in Portland, Oregon, that is a local mom and pop shop. I mean, I will do Starbucks, French roast, Sumatra. I I do that, but I will order from them and I grind my own beans. And sometimes I can't wait to go to sleep at night so I can wake up and have my coffee. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Black coffee. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a black coffee girl too, Renee. None of that. It's the only way to drink it. In it. No. Yep. <laughs> straight straight up black. Straight up. All right. All right. Now it's time for the wrap-up question. As you know, okay. Renee, we we work with healthcare leaders um, introducing clarity intelligence, which is just really helping them look at things with a, ba- a both and mindset, right? It's not an either or. Everything's not a problem. There's many things that are interdependent that we have to look at and manage and leverage together. So everyone typically has a preference poll when you're given a set of polls as well, polarity. And so I'm going to ask you uh, what your preference poll is when I tell you um, a polarity. Okay. okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Collaboration and competition. 100% collaboration. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Cuz I I learn from I love learning cool yeah. things from other people and yeah. people who give me a different perspective. Like, ooh, I never thought of that. So, yes, yeah. absolutely collaboration. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Yay. That's great. Oh, this was so much fun. This was so much fun. And uh, yeah, we might have to come back and talk about other things. (laughs) Anytime. Um, You ladies, I love the work that you you do. As you know, we're kindred spirits. We're on that same path to really, uh, I always say, make healthcare a better place. And, you know, looking at the culture and the people and the relationships is so important. It's probably more important than actually the clinical care that, that, is being provided is, is all the other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for being here. It's just really been enlightening and, and joyful at the same oh, time. Yes. Thank you. So, yeah. 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 So we'll look forward to having you back again as Michelle indicated for some more conversation. Sounds good. Until then, thank you listeners for tuning in again to healthcare's missing logic podcast. And we look forward to being on the airwaves again with you soon. And until then stay safe and stay healthy. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of healthcare's missing logic podcast. Now a top rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. 
If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.